But this morning we do want to continue our study in the book of Philippians. So if you'll turn there, chapter 2, we've gone as far as verse 12. We're going to cover verses 12 through 15 this morning. I want to read it to you and then we'll go to prayer. It's a good time to remember to turn ringers off our phones. This is really important. People have really been blessed by the passages this morning. I know that we will as we look at it uh, at this service. But Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. I'm going to read through verse 15. That therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Father, we do come and we ask that you would just bless this time in the study of your word. I pray that we would be teachable, that we would be humbled, that, Lord, these passages are for every single one of us. Help us make application. We want to be attentive. We do want to shine as lights in a world that is so dark. So we give this time in the study of your word. May we honor your word this morning, knowing that this is you speaking to us. I pray that you would work these things out in our lives when we leave this place. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Paul's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, it was in an area that was at that time known as Macedonia. Today it's called Greece. And we've already seen in this epistle thus far that the apostle is expressing his joy that he has for the believers that were very special to him. Matter of fact, we know that Paul expresses the theme of joy throughout this epistle. And as the apostle here is writing from a prison cell in Rome, we would have a tendency to think that Paul would be negative in this letter. He would be complaining. He would be murmuring concerning his circumstances, uh, the things that he had to go through, but he doesn't. It's not the case as we read the book of Philippians. And the reason that this epistle is so important to you and to me, especially in the day in which we were living in, is because I believe that it gives us the key to having that joy that was in Paul the Apostle. That is the joy of the Lord, the same joy that we can have because that source of that joy comes from Christ. And you see, I think that a lot of Christians believe that the key to having joy, listen, is to work it up emotionally. But we are seeing in this book, and we'll continue to see, that we are to change our minds or to have certain mindset. Matter of fact, 15 times the apostle inspired by the Spirit of God, he refers to a mindset. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, as we read in verse 5 of the chapter. But 15 times he refers to our mindset, our attitude, what we are to meditate on. And I know that if you've been with us in our studies on Sunday mornings over the last few Sundays, that again, it may sound a little bit redundant, but in chapter 3, Paul will say that we are to rejoice in the Lord as he uses that word rejoicing and joy some 19 times in these four you know, chapters. 
and to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And I know for me, and I think it's true for all of us, that it's important that we are reminded, that we have this down, that the key to lasting joy in our hearts is not just having an emotional high. Now, God gave us emotions. And, and it's, you know, wonderful when we're elated, when we're happy, when we're excited, uh, when we have a gladness of heart. But our emotions can change when circumstances change. And we know that we can have emotions of, of just being overwhelmed. Our emotions can bring us down. It would be David that would write the sweet psalmist of Israel that why you cast down all my soul. He would express his emotions. I think David was an emotional individual, but then he would begin to rejoice in the Lord as he set his mind and heart on the Lord. And for you and for me, even though God gives us emotions, even emotions can uh, mislead us. Have you ever thought, for example, that God doesn't care about me, that he doesn't love me? Uh, And I know that there's been times where I thought, Lord, you must be just done with me. So our emotions can mislead us, can bring us down. So the key to having a consistent, constant daily joy, it is a mindset that we are to embrace. To have joy, we are to be more like Christ, as we saw last week. We are to look to the Word of God and know that it is true for you and for me. And we can stand on the Word of God. We can trust the Word of God. And how the Lord wants to work in our lives. His promises given to us. His love that remains with us. So our Lord, the creator of the universe, as we saw in this chapter already, that he would be one that would come, consider it not robbery to be equal with God, but would humble himself Come in the appearance of man, and not just any man, but a servant, and he would be obedient to the point of death on the cross, and for the joy that was set before him, as Hebrews tells us, he endured the cross, the joy being you and me. And we have seen so far in this chapter that we are taking our time going through in the last couple of weeks, but it's important to apply what we are studying here in this chapter. Because we have discovered together, haven't we, that the way to experience that joyful, abundant life, remember Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly, that abundant life that we can find in Christ, it is not when we focus on ourselves, when we center on ourselves, it is when we die to self. It is not when we exalt self. But when we humble ourselves, when we look out for the interests, not only our own interests, but the interest of others. And you at Philippi, the apostle was writing to them, and he, Paul would exhort us if he were here today at Calvary Chapel. He wrote these words that are for us, that we're to be submitted to the Lord. Paul would write in verse 12, Beloved, you have always obeyed, so work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And again, as we close with this verse last week, he did not say to work for your salvation. But as we discuss and what we discover in the scriptures is that we should have the mindset of, to me, to live is Christ. That's what Paul has stated in this epistle. Lord, I want to live for you to walk in obedience to you, to be a servant for you, to humble myself, to esteem others better than myself. And Jesus, the ultimate example of that, humbly submitted to the will of the Father. And we should humbly submit to the will of the Father as well. And it should bring us joy to do that. That this wonderful salvation that we have 
And it is wonderful, isn't it? The incredible grace of God uh, to impute righteousness or being declared justified, righteous standing before God by faith. It's an incredible thing. And not to play games with it, not to take it lightly, but to live for Christ. Because our mindset should be in our hearts is as Paul, who said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. So in verse 12, as we read, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling to remind us that he's not saying work for your salvation. We don't have this unhealthy terror of, of the Lord. I've got to earn my salvation. I've got to earn my you know, righteousness. I lived for many years like that. In a church system that really focused that. If you do, 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 rather than what he did on the cross for me. And we know that we're not saved by works, but by faith. But as we come in faith, we demonstrate that we're truly different, that we're a new creation in Christ. That I don't live for the world, I don't live in the darkness. I want to be a witness in how I live for him. And we're going to learn how as we continue through this epistle and the verses ahead of us, how to be that witness, how to be that light. But first, we want to read what he writes in verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's one thing for the leaders at Philippi to try to resolve church problems in strife and conflict. However, it's another thing to trust God that he will work it out. It is both divine enablement and human responsibility, being involved in getting God's work done. And we as believers, we partner with God, laboring together with him. So verse 12 has a measure of human responsibility in it. Verse 13 that we just read has a measure of God's sovereignty in it. And Paul has no problem putting those two verses next to each other. The verb works in verse 13 means to energize. He energizes us and enables us to do what we are called to do. And as you decide to say, yes, Lord, I want to work out my salvation. In other words, I want to be a light to others. I want to be obedient. I want to truly become more like you. And you see, as we are submitted to the Lord, that as he's working in us, that he's going to work in us to do his good pleasures. And you're actually going to want to do it. You're going to want to do God's will. And that's because we have a love for him. Because of this great salvation. Because he first loved us, now we can love him and love others in a way that it, the world doesn't know. And here's the thing that brings me great encouragement and, and great comfort. It is God that works in you, in me, to will and to do. He will put his will on your heart. You see his will in his word, and he will work that in your life and through your life. And perhaps this morning that you've read the word of God and he's given you a promise. Or maybe he's put something on your heart, a vision, whatever it might be. And you're thinking, Lord, are you going to work it out in my life? Lord, are you going to use me? Do you even want to use me? Some desire, whatever. And you're waiting on the Lord. And you're thinking, Lord, are you going to, to use me? Are you going to work through me? And the answer is yes. But sometimes there's that waiting. And in that time of waiting, it doesn't mean that God's ignoring you. It doesn't mean that he's denying you, but it means that he's preparing you. 
and he's doing a marvelous work in you. Joseph had a vision, remember, in the book of Genesis, the son of Jacob. And when he was just a teenager, he told his dad and his brothers, the stars, the moon, the sun, they all bowed before me. And and another dream, the sheaves of wheat all bowed down to my sheaf. And Joseph had visions of leadership, of having authority, but it didn't happen and come to pass in just a few days after he had those visions, or even a few years. It would be many years after his brothers being envious of him would throw him into a pit. He would be sold into slavery, become a prisoner, thrown in prison for many years unjustly before he became the prime minister of Egypt. His great-granddad, Abraham, received a promise that he would have a son, but it didn't happen right away. He had to patiently endure to obtain the promise. We know that this Paul the Apostle that wrote this epistle, that he would be one that after his conversion, he wanted to preach Christ, but it wasn't working out at first. People wanted to kill him. The apostles were holding him out at arm's length. He ended up going to Arabia for three years. And then in Tarsus, learning to make tents for a number of years. And it was then that Barnabas came to him in Tarsus and said, Paul, there's revival that's broke out in Antioch, Assyria. Come and teach these new Gentile believers. And as they were praying at that time, they were in Antioch. That they would hear from the Lord, the Holy Spirit saying, Now separate unto me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. And he would begin his missionary journeys. And maybe you're here. You have a desire. You have a dream. There's a promise that God has given to you. But you're thinking, I feel like I'm in a pit. I feel like nothing's happening. Lord, are you ignoring me? I have a desire in my heart to to do this for you, uh, to be able to move forward in this area that you've put on my heart, uh, ministry, whatever it might be, but the doors are not open. And, And it's not happening, whatever it might be. You just continue to trust in him and grow and to continue to walk with the Lord because it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasures. And you will see, and you can be confident, as Paul would say back in chapter 1, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. David would write that he will perfect that which concerns you. And that is a verse. This verse here, verse, uh, as we read 13, and then in chapter 1, being confident, that he has begun a good work will bring, bring it to completion has brought a lot of comfort to me. I don't have to strive. I don't have to push. I don't have to try to make something happen. Just being sensitive to the leading of the Lord and the timing of the Lord. He's the one that opens doors that no man shuts, and he shuts doors that no man opens. And if he shuts the door, don't try to go through it because you're going to smack your nose on it. And it's going to hurt. But just trusting in the Lord and what he is doing because it is him that works in us both the will and to do of his good pleasures what he's put on your heart. Keep going back to him. Keep looking to him. Revelation chapter 4, that heavenly scene. The 24 elders are casting their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The King James states that you were created for his good pleasures. Ephesians chapter 2, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's prepared it beforehand. He set his love on you, and he has the work that he wants to do through you, and he's prepared it. Similar pattern there in the book of Ephesians, that other prison epistle, that you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we are his workmanship. You're not saved by works, but you are saved so you can do good works. You're his poem in the Greek. You are his poem. And a poem is written out of heartfelt, you know, somebody writes a poem. It's heartfelt, isn't it? And the Lord has a heart for you. So we work out our salvation, uh, not working for it, uh, with fear and trembling. Our salvation is a great thing. And we are demonstrating, displaying God is real in my life. I'm transformed. I'm a new creation. Lord, I want to walk with you, and, and I want to please you with my life, live for you, to demonstrate to others that I am light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ is in me, and my faith is real. And I'm not playing games with my salvation. God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasures, and I can trust that he will complete that work in me. And then in verse 14, do all things, let me say that again, do all things, without murmuring and disputing. One thing that will rob us of our joy, and we know this to be true, if we are complaining, if we are murmuring. And I think that, you know, we realize when we're complaining, when we're complaining, none of us say, oh, I have such joy right now. I'm experiencing the joy of the Lord. Complain, complain, murmur, murmur. Or that we're bringing joy to anybody else. We're to do all things without complaining, or it might read in your margins, grumbling. Do all things without disputing, without arguing. So apparently, this was happening to the church and in the church of Philippi, complaining as they were serving the Lord, as they were living for the Lord, disputing. Paul says, stop. And just as it will rob us of our joy individually, it will rob a church of its joy. And it will stop the work of the Lord. We live in a world, we live in a culture, I don't need to tell you this. We live in a society where it's complain, complain, complain. Murmur, murmur, murmur. We complain about everything. We love to complain. This is for me, what we're reading here as well. We do it on social media, in our conversations with others. I hate my job. I don't like my neighbors. I don't have enough money. Traffic is terrible. The store is crowded. Complain, complain, complain. If you have a King James in your lap, it says, it reads murmur, complain, murmur, murmur, murmur. So sobering question that all of us, we can ask ourselves, just in the honest evaluation, as we take this to the Lord, how many times do you think you murmur and complain each day? And I know you're thinking, well, it depends on the day. <laughs> Have you done it today? And come into church. It was a real problem with the children of Israel. They came out of Egypt, they murmured, they complained at God's provision and his promises. 
When they were murmuring, it tells us in Numbers chapter 11, it tells us that they murmured, they complained. Moses, why did you bring us out here? We're tired of this manna. We want to go back to Egypt. We had onions and other things that were there. It was better back then. They had a vote to get rid of Moses as their pastor. The vote was two million to nothing. And it says that God heard it, complaining against the Lord. It wasn't just against Moses. It was against his provision. And it tells us that it displeased the Lord greatly. There was disputing and complaining going on in the church of Philippi. And Paul here, if he had anybody had a right to complain, it was him in his situation. And he says, do all things without murmuring, complaining, because it displeases the Lord. It displeases the Lord when we do it. Murmuring, complain about his provision and his promises. Do all things. I think, Lord, can I complain about something? <laughs> something? Disputing. And as I've already said, there was two individuals that will be named in chapter 4 that are the source of this murmuring and disputing. And it had a negative effect on the church. And I'll speak for myself. I know God's still working this in my life. That I can find myself so easily complaining and murmuring and not being thankful robs me of my joy. I can complain even in the ministry. I remember there was a big lesson in this um, when uh, early on in ministry. I remember that uh, I actually took a, a carpet cleaner and was cleaning the carpet in the church. This is the old little building that we had downtown. And I remember cleaning it, and I was preparing for services and ready for services. And some kids came in. They had mud on their feet, and they dragged the mud in. And I remember I was just like, err. And so, you know, they, they went out, and I remember vacuuming and cleaning it up, just murmuring. Lord, I, I worked so hard. Nobody appreciates it. And the Lord said, I can get somebody else to pastor this church. And it's true. So we can complain. We can murmur rather than being thankful that we have people that come. That's one of the reasons we have mops and vacuums and things like that. So that's just one thing. You know, we get into a rut to where we complain and murmur. Do all things without murmuring, disputing. Why? Because, number one, you can jot down because it robs me of my joy. Second of all, I stop being thankful to the Lord. Thirdly, it displeases the Lord. And then, number four, it has such a negative effect on me and the people around me in the body of Christ. It brings division. It brings disputes, strife. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. And then number five, we'll read about in verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The fifth reason that we shouldn't become complainers is, as the apostle writes here, we live in a perverse and crooked generation. I believe what the apostle is saying here, you might be thinking, what, what does this have to do about you know, we shouldn't complain. Well, it has a lot to do with it. We live in a world that is so unthankful. We live in a culture that loves to complain. And we like to listen to it or tear people down or argue all the time. We live in a world that is so dark and sinful. And we are told to look out for number one. And number one is me. Not to look out for others. But to argue, to dispute, to mow people down, to 
tear them down. I think there was a time that we went through when COVID broke out 2020. That was a difficult time for all of us. Losing jobs, businesses, with the election, unrest that was going on in our nation. You know, we tried to have services and fires were burning and ash was actually falling on us. Remember that? It was a very difficult time. And I found myself, if I wasn't careful just to complain and murmur and Lord, what's going on and boo-hoo. I remember sitting out in my car thinking, Lord, my ministry's over and, you know, I got to do service, you know, online in an empty sanctuary. And, you know, finally the Lord said, you need to quit sniveling. Wipe your nose and go back in. I'm not done with you. And I'm not talking about those times where we just really are grieving. Or we're just confused or going through just hard times. But I think you know what Paul is saying here. Murmuring and complaining and arguing and disputing. We have been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We're being told as Christians, we do live in a perverse and crooked generation. There is darkness all around, and I believe it's getting more dark. But listen, you and I are to shine as lights. We are to be different. We are to trust the Lord and rest in the Lord and be thankful to the Lord for his provision. Paul says that you're to be harmless and blameless, or that might be translated innocent. It doesn't mean that we will have sinless perfection. Paul here means to be above reproach. Don't give others a chance to point a finger at you and say, you sure do complain a lot. I thought you were a Christian. You're no different than anybody else that complains. Or you sure like to dispute with others. You sure like to start an argument. You're always looking for a fight. Or you're always tearing people down or has such a negative attitude. You know, this is what Paul's saying to us. Don't give people a chance to accuse you of being one that brings strife and division and complains and argues and is self, selfish and conceited. And I think that a lot of us that we've talked to individuals before that say, I won't go to this church. I stopped going to church because there was just a lot of strife, division, arguing that was going on, tearing down. And I, I just can't go there anymore. And it's sad when we hear something like that. And may it never be said of us here at Calvary Chapel. Be blameless. Be harmless. Be above reproach. It's the same word when Jesus told us that we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It's a word that would be used if wine wasn't diluted, it was pure. And if metals didn't have a lot of impurities in it, in other words, live your Christian life to where people can see that you are genuinely a Christian. Yeah, you're the real deal, not you're a Christian. You sure do complain a lot. You sure like to start arguments. You dispute with so many. You are looking for a fight all the time. You sure have corrupt words that are coming out of your mouth in what you say. You tear people down. You bowl people over. No, that shouldn't be said of us. And we're to be harmless. 
Show yourself to be a true follower of God, not a complaining spirit. And this is important, parents and grandparents, or whoever we are. If you're parents or grandparents and you have dinner and you have your kids there, if you're complaining, well, the boss this and the neighbor that, and I don't like this, complain, 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 in the school or whatever it is, guess what your kids are going to learn to do? They're going to learn to complain. And I know that we fall short. I do. If we're one that we like to argue and dispute. Sometimes we think that we're going to just argue with somebody and I'm going to show them they're wrong and all of this. Listen, I know that Paul in the other prison epistles, that he would say, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary you know, edification, building people up. You may impart grace to the hearers. We stand on truth. We give truth. We speak the truth in love. Sometimes we have to correct and rebuke. We stand for righteousness, of course. But there's a right way to do it. We're not to speak evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And one of the things that I always run doing marriage counseling and premarital counseling is in chapter 5 of Ephesians, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the atmosphere of our homes, not just where there's complaining and there's murmuring and there's arguing and there's strife and all of this, but we are to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. What is the atmosphere of our homes? What goes on inside? What is spoken of? Is it just arguing? Is it just disputing? Is it just tearing each other down? Is it that kind of thing? Or is there peace? Are we being thankful to the Lord? Are we speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? It's more than going around going, ah, you know, if you want to sing, sing. But you know what I mean. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. We're thankful to the Lord. He has blessed us. He's provided for us. He's so good to us. What is your home like? What is my home like? be ones that we're building each other up in the things of the Lord. We may not agree. We have to discuss things. There are things that can upset us. But are we ones that our Christian life is one that we're desiring for people to do well in the things of the Lord? Be a light to them. If you're one that complains, then you're going to be known as a complainer. If you're one that loves to dispute, you'll be known as one that just loves to argue and people will avoid you. And if you're one that murmurs and complains, any of us, and this is for me too, just as the children of Israel complain and murmur and they found themselves out there in the wilderness, another lap around Mount Sinai, you will have a spiritual life that is barren and dry and you'll be in that wilderness spiritually rather than being refreshed. As you walk in the Lord's goodness and remember his blessings and his faithfulness and being thankful. We're to shine as lights in this world so we can make a difference to a world that is so dark. 
And always remember this. To some people, to many people that are linked to you in your life, family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors, whoever it is, the only light that they get to see, perhaps, is you. You are the only light that they get to see. At the workplace, don't join in with all the complainers. Oh, this place and that boss and this situation. I know that some of you work in difficult situations. And there are matters that you have to deal with that aren't easy. But just to complain, 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 rather than, Lord, help me, give me the strength to go to work, help me do the best that I can, not just give an eye service, but to do it in a way that pleases you. Thank you for your provision for me. I just want to do my best. And Lord, you take care of me here. But I want to be a light to them. And as I've said, I'm learning this more and more. That light doesn't speak, but it is seen. It is seen. So what is it that people see in me and in you? Hopefully it's light. The light of Jesus Christ. Knowing that He's real. There's something different about you. And you will see that the Lord will open up doors for you to minister to others that you never thought you could. That there are those who will come and say, you know, there's something different about you. You've been kind. You've been gentle. You know, I'm struggling. Or they have questions. Or when they go through that time of loss, they're going to seek you out. They're going to look to you because you are light when they're in the dark. When they're confused. When they're wondering, where is this world going to? You are able to give a message of hope because you have the light of Jesus Christ that's coming from you. So may our prayer be every day, Lord, I want to go out and be light that is seen. I want to be blameless. I want to be above reproach. Again, not that they're going to see perfection. But Lord, help me to be that witness. Because, you see, we believe the gospel, but we also live the gospel. We live the gospel as well. Be in that light to others. Be blameless and harmless. To do all things without murmuring, disputing. Not to be one about selfish ambition and conceit. But rather, I'm looking out not only for my own interests, but the interests of others. And Lord, help me be a light in a dark world. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for these reminders that are given to us to be light in a world that is so dark, Lord. Not to be about murmuring and complaining and disputing and arguing and tearing people down in corrupt words. But Lord, just allowing you to work through us your gentleness, being tenderhearted, being strong. But Lord, that strength through meekness. And Lord, the authority of your word spoken in love. And I pray for us that that would be our desire. Because the people around us, the world's going to be the world, but the church needs to be the church. And Lord, you've placed us where we're at. May we just trust in you. 
and moving forward, working as both the will and to do of your good pleasures. And Lord, do it. We just wouldn't live for ourselves or live by the world's philosophy. We don't want to get cheated, be in a barren desert spiritually, but Lord, to be a light to others. Lord, I do pray that this morning that you help us, because this is for all of us, me included. And Lord, to walk in the Spirit. May our speech be one of seasoned with grace and Speaking of your goodness, may our homes be a home of thankfulness. Our homes where your word is spoken of, having a song in our hearts, giving praises to you. May we build each other up. Lord, I want to pray for anybody who may be here or listening online or perhaps on the radio later. You've never made a commitment to Christ. You see, he works in you and to do and will of his good pleasures. You need to come to him, surrender your life to him for salvation, forgiveness of sin, to be born again and have a new heart. You can't do it on your own. I know I can't. None of us can but first you come to him to be forgiven and saved. He is your salvation. You can't work for your salvation. You come in faith, recognizing that Jesus did the work on the cross as he died for your sins. And he rose again. He is truly Lord. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but he came to bring eternal life. He did is he made atonement for your sins and rose from the grave. And a living hope is given to us as we come in faith. And today is the day of salvation. Will you come to Christ? The Bible says repent. Repent of your worldly thinking and sins and turn to Christ and call out to him. And you can do that right now, sincerely in your heart, praying, Jesus, I come, I turn to you, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And I believe you did die for me. Forgive me. And you rose again in your life, and I ask that you would sit upon the throne of my life and my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. And I want to walk with you and know you, to live for you. I thank you for this new beginning and bringing me into the family of God. Thank you for the living hope I have that comes through you. And I pray for all of us as we leave this place that we would carry on in the things that we have received this morning. Do all things without murmuring, disputing, and in this world that's dark to be a light shining. In Jesus' name, amen.